Well, good morning. Today is a special day, as you might have figured out, because everything looks a little different today. Uh, today is a day in which we are celebrating and ordaining uh, Larry Easton, who's already a reverend, already been ordained uh, for many years uh, in another denomination, but today we are uh, including him into apostolic orders, and we're really excited about that, and we're so grateful to the Lord uh, that he's given us someone who is of such um, character and commitment and a long life of serving the Lord, not a little thing. Uh, we do not presume a defect. By the way, when we ordain someone in the Anglican church that uh, came out of a charismatic or Pentecostal or Baptist or whatever, I think we do not presume a defect. We simply uh, believe that it's right and the right thing to do to add to that the blessing and the laying on of hands uh, from the apostolic tradition to which we do. We add, uh, even as my sermon today will make some sense of. Um, if you would, would you turn me, well, I say turn with me, hopefully you have a sheet there in 14 font, 14 font this morning. I try to, I, I, I make mine pretty big. Now my iPad makes it even bigger. I probably have about 26 point, uh, so I don't have to use my reading glasses. But I want to preach this morning on the uh, occasion of this ordination from Numbers chapter 11. Uh, it is not the same context uh, that we want to look at this morning that is the context of our church. I'm so grateful. We've had rough days at our church, but we're so grateful for good days. Uh, but in the context of Numbers 11, there was, in the first 10 chapters of the book of Numbers, there was more or less a situation of the children of Israel going out from Egypt in perfect obedience. Isn't that something you'd like to think of a whole church? We could all say, hey, we've been living in perfect obedience. Not sinlessness, but they were obeying God, and, and, and there wasn't uh, uh, a lot of hassles and things like that, and, and, and how wonderful. But by chapter 11, there's two small rebellions. Uh, and uh, in the first three verses, there's one rebellion, and in verses uh, about 4 to um, 9... Uh, where there's the second rebellion. So let's just notice real quick uh, about how this is. Now, I want you to remember, when the children of Israel left Egypt, they were not, the Jews were not the only, or Israelites were not the only slaves. There were people that were slaves who were from other races as well, who had been captured and who were working there. And a large number of them decided to go and to cast their lot with the Jews and to follow with them out and go after their God. The problem was they didn't have the same heart they didn't have the same values. They didn't have the same DNA. Uh, and so problems arose along the way. And, and in Hebrew, these people are actually called, the, the, the text is going to say this morning in the New King James, I think it calls it a mixed company. Uh, in Hebrew, it's literally riffraff. In Hebrew, riffraff, all right? Uh, we don't want to be one of the riffraff, all right? Uh, so let's look at the uh, first uh, three verses for the first rebellion. Uh, we'll go to the second rebellion, and then we'll go for the, the real heart of what we want to look at today. Now, when the people complained, as the children of Israel, it displeased the Lord. God didn't like the grumbling. For the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Now, the riffraff, apparently, they weren't really in the main group of people, so they had their tents outside on the outskirts of the camp. And so that's why when the fire fell, it burned them up. And God's judgment came upon them, and he purged the people of those people who were grumbling and complaining. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit further, but nonetheless. So that's what happens. And the people cried out to Moses, 
And when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Taborah because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. And Taborah, and I'm not necessarily pronouncing it correctly in Hebrew, but it means burning, burning. All right, remember the Bible says that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's a cleansing fire. All right, it's a, you know, his fire of hell will come for those who reject him, but for those who know Jesus, they get the Holy Spirit and the fire to cleanse them from the parts on the outskirts of our soul, so to speak, to purify us that we may live and never face uh, the, the ultimate judgment of uh, being uh, not connected to Jesus and knowing his salvation uh, in our lives and in the life to come. So then there was a second, that grumbling, though, did infect the people, and as we're going to see, it went all the way into Moses. Verse 4, now the mixed multitude, this is that mixed multitude is the word literally riffraff, who were among them, yielded to intense craving. Now this is a little threatening to me. Uh, it, it means, in, in the sense that they were so had so much hunger. I have to say, there are times when I travel in places like India and places where they don't eat meat. I'll, I'll never forget how excited I was one time to get back to Delhi and to see a McDonald's. And I mean, I was so excited. I was like, oh, we haven't had a piece of, I mean, you know, I, I started eating vegetarian because the chicken pieces were so small, I say it's not worth the time. It slows me down. I'm so hungry. So I just, I just went vegetarian in India. And, and, uh, but this one time, I get back to Delhi, and I realize that I'm staying in walking distance to McDonald's. And I'm talking about, you talk about intensely craving. I'm thinking double quarter pounder, extra ketchup and onions. I mean, I'm just imagining this large fry. And when I get there, I realize, oh, in India, they don't serve hamburger. They don't serve cow in any, any place. Uh, and so you could only get spicy chicken sandwich. And let me give you a tip if you happen to be in India. In India, spicy chicken is spicy chicken. <laughs> okay? It ain't, it ain't spicy the way you think. Um, yeah, that was another mistake I made after my intense. You can make lots of mistakes when you're intensely craving. Anyway, so they were uh, the mixed multitude were among them, verse 4, yielded to the intense craving. They were longing for food. And all they could focus on is what they didn't have. And so here they go. And so the children of Israel also wept again and said, so it infected. Have you ever noticed if you go get around a bunch of angry people or, or sad people, it, it's contagious. It's contagious. And so these grumbling people, they had infected the Israelites. They were on the outskirts. Some got destroyed. But ultimately, that grumbling contaminated the children of Israel. And they began to look at things with that same negative perspective. Now listen. This is a context for a very important day, but we've been through those days, but I'm grateful uh, that we're at peace. But anyway, here's the story. They wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? Uh, they, were, they, they were complaining about manna. They had forgotten so quickly that they were hungry and without food when God provided the manna. And by the way, the manna was not just like a cake. It, was sort of a, it had a sweet taste to it, by the way. Uh, it wasn't as terrible uh, as uh, they led on. But here we go. Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. Now this is, this is a really, we could just preach on this one thing. It says, the meat with the fish which we ate freely. When they were slaves, they ate freely. And they had no responsibility. What they were saying is, we longing for a day, even though we were slaves, when we had no responsibility, because the manna came with the responsibility of obedience to God's laws. 
We live in an age in a country, we want everyone to take care of everything. We would like to be free of the responsibility of making the tough choices and making the responsible choice of life. And so we could be longing against, uh, even politically, longing for a day when everything's taken care of us. It's not a good place. It's not a good place to be longing for that kind of place. Instead, the Bible says we want to learn to be filled with the Spirit and living and self-controlled by the Spirit. Uh, and, and, and with that comes difficulties, but it also comes liberty. So they says we ate freely in Egypt as if Egypt was a good thing. The cucumbers and melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. It still sounds vegetarian to me, but nonetheless, we keep moving. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Now, the Bible then gives us a parenthesis in verse 7 and tells us, uh, like, sort of like giving us a 365 ways to cook manna. It's telling us how beautiful it was. So the first thing it says, now the manna was like coriander seed, which is beautiful. Uh, and it's color, like the color of uh, Bedlam, which is gold, apparently. So it was a beautiful thing. And, and the people went about and gathered it and ground it on millstones or beat it in the mortar, cooked it in pans and made cakes of it, meaning they could bake it, they could fry it, they could broil it. <laughs> the Bible's saying there's all kind of good ways to cook it. It wasn't as boring as they made out. There was lots of good ways to cook it, all right? And its taste was the taste of pastry pre- prepared with oil. Now, some commentators said this really doesn't get it. It says it tasted, it looked maybe like pita, but it tasted more like donuts. It, it, was a, it was a good and a sweet tasting thing. It was not like just eating uh, poor, uh, t- uh, like a pita or something. It actually had quite a flavor, and it was sweet, which is why we get the idea of it being angel food from this expression here. And when the dew fell on the camp in the night, the manna fell on it. It was provided every day. Uh, do you remember why they had to have manna for so long? Because they had been disobedient. They would have inherited Cana, you know, in three months. Okay, because of their disobedience, and it was teaching them to trust God, was the reason they had an extended diet of the manna. Now, the grumbling went from the outskirts. It went to the inner parts, and then it affected Moses, and he begins to complain and groan as well. Then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses was also displeased. He was taking it upon himself. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? Now this is interesting because up to this point, Moses always pleaded with God and interceded with God on behalf of the people and sought God for more grace and more anointing. In this case, instead of asking God for more anointing and asking him for more grace and asking on behalf of the people, He was so infected with the grumbling that he shut down and he kind of got passive here and he missed his main responsibility of leadership, which is to intercede on behalf of the people. Now listen to this. He puts here, by the way, it's interesting for the women here who might appreciate, he describes here and conceives of God in feminine and mother terms, by the way, for those who could appreciate that. And uh, it's good to know that the Bible doesn't only speak of God in the masculine. Here are some Beautiful case. He talks about God as a, the mother who conceived the people. And Moses is complaining as, as if he's the nursemaid who's breastfeeding the children on behalf uh, of, of God, the mother who, who created and conceived the people. He says, did I conceive all these people? He's saying, in essence, rhetorically, no, you did, God. You're the mother. You're the one who conceived the people. Did I beget them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom? Am I a wet nurse is what he's complaining? 
He's like, you should be feeding and taking care of and nurturing and suckling these kids. As a guardian carries a nursing child, he said, should you say to me that I should do that to the land which you swore to your fathers? Where am I going to give meat to give to all these people? There's 600,000 to 2 million people. Now, this is a God who he had seen do miracle after miracle after miracle. But when you get grumbling, when you get focusing and give the attention to your circumstance, Instead of to the promises of God, everything can go south in a hurry. Even for Moses, who had such a track record. So, uh, 14, am I not able to bear, I am not able to bear all these people alone. He's saying it's too big for me. If you look at yourself, your circumstances and the people, it is always too big. But if you look at God, it's never too big. I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now if I have found favor in your sight. And do not let me see my wretchedness. What a, I mean, opposite of so much of Moses' character. But uh, a friend of mine said to me once, who's sitting here, he said, if the fire gets turned up, we all squeal. Some of us, we just never had the fire turned up high enough maybe for a while. And I, I, I can't tell you how many times I preached the Old Testament as a young man, thinking, oh, I can't believe these Israelites could make so many mistakes. They saw all these miracles, da 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 I've lived enough to make a lot of those mistakes. So we find out, as the way, we, we, we need to have a lot of respect, and, uh, but we also want to follow the good examples and not the bad ones. So this is God's answer to him. This is the point of the ordination today, this beautiful powerful statement from God. Now the Lord said to Moses, gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and, and officers, officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that I may stand with you there, that I will come down and talk with you there, and I will take the spirit that's upon you and will put the same spirit on them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. Now, do you see what's going on? He says, take the people that are already the elders. He's saying, find the people who already have the gifts. Find the people who already understood because they have uh, leadership ascribed, uh, uh, not ascribed, but leadership earned. I mean, there's two kinds of leadership, at least two kinds. One is when you have leadership ascribed. Ascribed means that you have, let's say, a king and his son is the prince, and so therefore he is given the status of being a prince. It's done because of his family. It is ascribed to him. Leadership earned is when uh, the person in leadership is there because he's the warrior, he's the leader, or she's the person, whatever. So you have earned and ascribed leadership. By the way, there's only one culture in the whole world of all the cultures that used and had their leaders exclusively as leadership earned, not ascribed. Do you know what the culture is? Scotland. The Scots were the only people in the world. Okay, now you could look derivatively and speak about ours, but in terms of, of, of races and clans of people, the only one that exclusively had leadership earns were the Scots, which I just find fascinating. I, I'm Dutch, but I have a little Scotch in me, but I can't come, you know, just throwing that out to you because it's so unique uh, in terms of culture. Uh, that it was exclusively in that way. So you may have a, a clan chief whose son would be the next, but only if he could earn it. If he could not earn it, it was done by, in the families, it was done by the person who was the strongest and the best, by the consensus of the people. So he tells them, go find the people who already are and make them what they are. Do you get that? Today we're going to ordain 
Larry as deacon. He's already been a pastor for years and years. God's used him in all kinds of capacities, business, different things. But God set him apart a long, long time ago before now. Uh, he's even older than me. I mean, Don, Don, well, you know that Don's older than me. <laughs> he's not as old as Don. That's the good news. But the Holy Spirit's been using him in these beautiful and powerful ways throughout his life. And today is not, we're not trying to, first of all, we're not trying to initiate something or to see something which has not already been seen by other wonderful, spiritual Christians a long time before now, number one. Number two, we would not presume to lay hands upon somebody and pretend that we could invest in somebody what God has not already given. Okay, in an ordination, when we lay hands on people, what we do is we say, earth recognize what heaven has already prepared. We are simply coming along on earth and laying in hands in agreement and saying, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, we recognize heaven's status, heaven's calling as an officer, as it were in the church, as someone to lead. We recognize that and we lay hands on earth and we make so what is already so. Listen, this is a, one of the, the mysteries of the paradoxes of the kingdom. In Deuteronomy 9.3 it says, he says, I will go before you as a consuming fire. I'll go and destroy your enemies. I'll do all these things, he says, so that you can do it. You can take the land. Meaning, God says, I go before you so that you can do it. He says, Moses, take, some, take the people who already earn, uh, have earned leadership that you can see by the gifts and the callings and their character. They are elders and make them what they are. And then we ask for something that none of us can give. We ask for the Spirit to come and for heaven to confirm on earth with signs and wonders following that what we do on earth would have the stamp of heaven in terms of the supernatural. Look here. Let's jump down to... Twenty-four. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle in the holy place. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him. He says, first I'm going to speak to you so that people know who you are, Moses. Okay? Then I'm going to move through you to others. Uh, so he says, the Lord came down in the cloud, spoke to him, and took of the spirit that was upon him and placed the same spirit upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they ne never did so again. God forbid that Larry would never prophesy again. All right? We don't, we, that's not what we're looking for here. It's a different day. Uh, we, we're longing as we move into Acts, and, and, and I mean, in terms of uh, uh, the, the Ash Wednesday, uh, we're looking for a day where we pro the Lord promises that when the Spirit comes, your sons and daughters, your men and your women, your old men, they're going to prophesy and have dreams and visions. I mean, we're in a different day in a different season. But as a demonstration so the people could see that the Spirit that was on Moses had transferred in this way and that God had authorized what Moses was doing, the Spirit poured out and they became prophets for a day, though Moses remained the prophet for his life, all right? But they experienced it in that way for the day. Uh, we are so grateful that for those who are ordained and unordained, by the way, uh, that that's not the limitation. Now, here's the thing. Did you know that as we ordain Larry, there's a blessing for you? Potentially, there's a blessing for you. 26, but two men remained in the camp, 
The name of one was Eldad, and the name of the other was Medad. Uh, basic, we're not sure if these names were Hebrew, Akkadian, uh, Assyrian. Um, basically, their names honor God. Uh, this is, God is the, the um, Eldad is like, God is the God, dad is of my father's brother. Okay, in um, Assyrian. So this would be like, God is the God of my, unc- my father's brother, my uncle, my father's brother. Uh, and then me, dad is uh, uh, like separate and, and good is my uncle, something like that. So it depends if it's Assyrian Hebrew, it's got little variations uh, in it. But there's two guys, and they're not there for the ordination. No one's laying hands on them. But the Spirit falls anyway. And the Spirit rested upon them. Now, they were, not a, they were among those listed, but who had not gone out of the tabernacle. So we don't know. Were they disobedient? Were they rebel? We, we don't know why they weren't there. Their name was on the list. Uh, and the Holy Spirit fell on them as well. And, a young, and, and yet they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ro- ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. So Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid it them. There can always be these problems between the institutional church and those who have the offices and the authority to rule in the church, between those who the Spirit has come upon for ministry and the prophetic word, there should be no problem. Those who are prophets should respect those who are in holy orders, and those who are in holy orders should respect people with the Spirit. And this is what Moses says. Imagine how many church splits and conflicts could be solved if we had the wisdom of Moses. Look what Moses says. Moses said to him, are you zealous or jealous, potentially is the better reading, for my sake? You think i got to control everything? You think I'm worried about an institution? He says, all I'm worried about is that the Spirit of God will flow richly and freely upon the people of God. Okay? Now, Medad and Eldad are exceptions to the rule. They prove the normalcy of the rule. And yet they show us and, 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 and open us for a day when all your sons and daughters, all your old men and your old women, when the Spirit of God would come upon each and every one of us. We're going to lay hands this morning on Larry, but my prayer is not only that God would bless what he's already established and been ordained to in the past and enlarge that, but my prayer is also the Spirit would be falling upon you. When I actually go to anoint him and to, concert, uh, to ordain him as a deacon, one of the things the people stand because you stand in participation and unity as the body of Christ. May the Spirit of God fall upon you even as he falls upon and strengthens Larry today. Lord Jesus, we love you. And Lord, we long for a day when your Spirit would fall upon each and every one. We're so grateful that, uh, Lord, in this place, the vast majority of you know you and are filled with your Spirit, Lord who are not ignorant or lacking in gifts of tongues or prophecy or other all kinds of wonderful gifts. Lord, we pray, strengthen, Lord, the gospel that we preach with signs and wonders in this place that as a family, Lord, we would together be strengthened by your Spirit. But on this special day, Lord, we pray that what you've established and, and uh, rooted in Larry from before the foundation of the earth, Lord, that today, one more group of believers could lay hands upon them and as the apostolic bishop say, yes, we see what God has done. Come into yourself and be more free and more full of the spirit that's been upon you. Uh, Holy Spirit, come and reign and rule like never before. Lord, what an honor you give us 
not to establish, but to affirm and to confirm on earth uh, the will of heaven. Oh, we thank you for this place, and we thank you for the chance, Lord, for you to add uh, to the numbers of leaders here. And Lord, we also thank you for all those other leaders who, who will never be called deacon or priest, but by your spirit are identified, known to you and known to us. Strengthen each of us in our callings and our purposes. Bless us as we yield this day to you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, as humbly as I know how, uh, that you would use even my hands. to be a blessing, to strengthen. Lord, Holy Spirit, we love you. We're so grateful that you honor your word. Now bless us uh, as we try to follow you as humbly and righteously as we know how. We pray these things in the most wonderful and precious name of Jesus and in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jacqueline, if you would hold the crozier. Now, nothing is more offensive to Protestants, and remember I was raised Baptist, than the mitre. Just remember that in Numbers 20, 28, uh, that the mitre was signified of God. It was supposed to be, not only was it uh, something that God commanded uh, in terms of the vestments of the priests. Uh, it was supposed to be, if you remember, uh, threads of uh, fuchsia, blue and gold. It was supposed to look like fire. And the mitre was to represent the Holy Spirit and the tongues that we saw in Acts as the Holy Spirit fell. So if you notice the shape, we've heard all these things, that it looks like Dagon, all these people that are unfortunately hate the Catholic Church. The issue of the mitre is, is a biblical one. It's by God's plan and described, and it's supposed to remind us uh, of the spirit that's falling. So when I'm doing these things, particularly in the name of the church, not just as Ron or as a Christian, but as a bishop, particularly in an ordination or a consecration, uh, we wear the hat symbolizing, the mitre symbolizing the authority and the office of God, all right? But especially reminding us of the necessity and need of the Holy Spirit uh, and his promises to us by the Spirit. So don't let it offend you. If it offends you, that's with your heart, but, but I hope it doesn't. Uh, read 28 of Numbers, and it will make you feel a little bit better, maybe. I guess we can't tell how you're going to feel. You feel how you feel, but um, that's my suggestion at least. Okay. Reverend Father and God, I present unto you this person present, Larry Eaton, to be admitted deacon. Take heed that this person, Larry, whom you present unto us, be apt and meet for his learning and godly conversation, to exercise his ministry duly, to the honor of God and to the edifying of his church. I have inquired concerning him, and also examined him, and 
think him so to be. Brethren, if there be any of you which knoweth any impediment or notable crime, and Larry, this person present, to be ordered deacon, for which he ought not to be admitted to that office, let him come forth in the name of God and show what that crime or impediment is. Now, so you know, Larry is well known to me and into the congregation, and the vestry, of course, is certified, uh, but this is not something light. We don't take it uh, lightly, but we're so grateful to keep moving in that. We continue. All right, we'll kneel. Those who can, it'd be good to kneel. In the litany, we're asking for the Holy Spirit to come. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us. We beseech thee to hear us, good Lord. 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 Have mercy upon us and hear us. And deliver us for thy name's sake. And let thy saints sing with joyfulness. And let our cry come unto thee. Amen. Almighty God, 
who by the divine providence have appointed diverse orders of ministers in thy church, and didst inspire thine apostles to choose under the order of deacons the first martyr, St. Stephen, with others. Mercifully behold this thy servant, now called to the like office and administration. So replenish him with the truth of thy doctrine, and adorn him with the innocency of life, that both by word and good example he may faithfully serve thee in this office to the glory of thy name and the edification of thy church through the merits of our Savior Jesus Christ who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost now and forever. Amen. Please be seated for the reading of the epistle. Jack, we got the, sorry. I moved it and I shouldn't have, Jack, I'm sorry. Axe? Do you have axe? You don't have axe? Oh, no, no, there's the other one, sorry. It, sorry. I'm sorry, Jack. I gave you the wrong one, there you go. Epistle is written. Very sorry. The epistle is written in the sixth chapter of the book of Acts of the Apostles, beginning at the second verse. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, Look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of priests were obedient unto the faith. Amen. Thank you. Do you trust that you were inwardly moved by the Holy Ghost to take upon you this office and ministration to serve God for the promoting of his glory and the edifying of his people? I trust so. Do you think that you are truly called according to the will of the Lord Jesus Christ and according to the canons of this church and to the ministry of the same? I think so. Are you so persuaded that the Holy Scriptures contain all doctrine as required as necessary for eternal salvation through faith in Jesus Christ? 
Will you diligently read the same unto the people assembled in the church where you shall be appointed to serve? I will. It appertaineth to the office of a deacon in the church where he shall be appointed to serve, to assist the priest in divine service, and especially when ministering the Holy Communion, and to help him in the distribution thereof, and to read the Holy Scriptures and the homilies in the church, and to instruct the youth in the catechism, and in the absence of the priest, to baptize infants and to preach, if he be admitted thereto by the bishop, and you will be. And furthermore, it is his office where provision is so made to search for the sick, poor, and the impotent people of the parish, that they may be relieved with the alms of the parishioners or others. Will you do this gladly and willingly? I will so do by the grace of God. Will you apply all your diligence to frame and fashion your own life and the lives of your family according to the doctrine of Christ and to make both yourself and them as much as lieth in you wholesome examples of the flock of Christ? Will you reverently obey your bishop and other chief ministers who, according to the canons of the church, now may have charge and government over you, falling with a glad mind and will their godly admonitions? I will endeavor so to do the Lord's work. And we'll ask the family to come and be around them, and we ask for the people to stand. close around take thou authority to execute the office of a deacon in the church of God committed unto thee in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost Amen Lord Jesus, we pray fresh fire. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. We're so grateful for all you have done. But Lord, we pray that uh, the days ahead would be so powerful. Such anointing, Lord, for healing and for preaching, Lord, for teaching, for equipping, Lord. Oh, that your church here and other places would flourish. Lord, that the many expertises and gifts and talent, Lord, that they would just absolutely move deeper and richer. Bless Beth and this precious family, Lord. Oh, anoint them, Lord, like only heaven can. And we ask it, and we're so grateful in advance, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's put the stall upon him. Take thou authority to read the gospel in the church of God and to preach the same if you're licensed by the bishop himself, which you are to do. Uh, Please remain standing for the reading of the Holy Gospel.
Glory be to Thee, O Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. You may be seated. So as you realize, we don't do this all the time. So uh, one of the things I forgot is that you need to remain standing for the Nicene Creed so you get to stand up one more time. You'll be tired by the end. <laughs> I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, Begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeded from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified who spake by the prophets, and I believe on Catholic and Apostolic Church, 
I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Maker of all things, Judge of all men, we acknowledge and bewail our manifold sins and wickedness, which we from time to time most grievously have committed, by thought, word, and deed against thy divine majesty, provoking most justly thy wrath and indignation against us. We do earnestly repent and are heartily sorry for these our misdoings. The remembrance of them is grievous unto us. The burden of them is intolerable. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father, for thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ's sake. Forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may ever hereafter serve and please thee in newness of life, to the honor and glory of thy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who of His great mercy have promised forgiveness of sins to all those who with hearty repentance and true faith turn unto Him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hear what comfortable words our Savior Christ saith unto all who truly turn unto him. Come unto me, all you that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. So God loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hear also what St. Paul saith, This is a true saying and worthy of all men to be received, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Here also at St. John saith, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. It is very meet right and our bounden duty that we should at all times and in all places Give thanks unto Thee, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty, Everlasting God. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify Thy glorious name, evermore praising Thee and singing.
All glory be to thee, almighty God, our heavenly Father, for that thou of thy tender mercy didst give thine only Son, Jesus Christ, to suffer death upon the cross for our redemption, who made there by his one oblation of himself once offered a full, perfect, and sufficient sacrifice, oblation, and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world, and did institute in this holy gospel command us to continue a perpetual memory of that his precious death and sacrifice until his coming again. For in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of this, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you and for many for the remissions of sins. Do this as oft as ye shall drink it in remembrance of me. Wherefore, O Lord and Heavenly Father, according to the institution of thy dearly beloved Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, we, thy humble servants, do celebrate and make here before thy divine majesty with these thy holy gifts, which we now offer unto thee, the memorial thy Son hath commanded us to make, having in remembrance his blessed passion and precious death, his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension, rendering unto thee most hearty thanks for the innumerable benefits procured unto us by the same. And we most humbly beseech thee, O merciful Father, to hear us. And of thy almighty goodness vouchsafe to bless and sanctify with thy word and Holy Spirit these thy gifts and creatures of bread and wine that we receive in them according to thy Son, our Savior Jesus Christ's holy institution, in remembrance of his death and passion, may be partakers of his most blessed body and blood. And we earnestly desire thy fatherly goodness mercifully to accept this our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, most humbly beseeching thee to grant that by the merits and death of thy Son, Jesus Christ, and through faith in his blood, we and all thy whole church may obtain remission of our sins and all other benefits of his passion. And here we offer and present unto thee, O Lord, ourselves, our souls and bodies, to be a reasonable, holy, and living sacrifice unto thee, humbly beseeching that we and all others who shall be partakers of this holy communion may worthily receive the most precious body and blood of thy Son, Jesus Christ, be filled with thy grace and heavenly benediction and made one body with him, that he may dwell in us and we in him. And although we are unworthy through our manifold sins to offer unto thee any sacrifice, yet we beseech thee to accept this our bounden duty and service, not weighing our merits, but pardoning our offenses through Jesus Christ our Lord, by whom and with whom, in the unity of the Holy Ghost, all honor and glory be unto thee, O Father Almighty, 
world without end. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to sing.